You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Jeff Kasky's two sons were inside Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when a gunman started killing students and staff members. In the end, 17 were dead. 17 more were injured. Kasky's sons, thankfully, were not among them, but the shooting jolted him and his son Cameron into action. Jeff Kasky formed the Families vs. Assault Rifles PAC, and he and Cameron have become some of the most outspoken voices in the gun control debate here in America. He's going to be in town next Monday, April 15th, at the Farmington Community Library at 7 p.m. for an event titled Gun Violence Prevention. Jeff Kasky, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's great to have you here. Uh, So let's go back to February 14th, 2018, and talk to me about what that day was like for you. Uh, It was uh, a normal average day uh, up until early afternoon. You know, um, I I, I don't even know how to express the feeling of sitting there, uh, you know, just going about your, your daily business, when you get a text message from your child at high school saying, um, do you see what's going on at my school? That's, n- that, that, that's never going to be good news. Uh, and that was just the beginning of, uh, of the history that continues to be written. So when you got that call, were you watching television? Had you seen what was going on already? Or did this jolt you into uh, awareness that, that your your children were in danger. No, I had no idea. Uh, and I got that text message from Cameron, and then I got a text message from uh, my friend Steve Wind, who's the father of Alex Wind, another founder of uh, the March for Our Lives, saying, do you see what's going on at school? And uh, then I turned on the TV. And when you, when you turn on the TV and you see a helicopter view of your children's school, that's not going to be good news. Mm-hmm. So, so, so at what point that day did you know that your sons were safe? And, and talk about the, the feeling you had in the hours before you could be sure that they were safe. Well, um, you're, you're asking all the good questions, Stephen. Uh, obviously, you know, one of my kids, uh, Holden, who, who goes, he still is at Stoneman Douglas. Cameron has graduated. Mm-hmm. But Holden is, uh, is autistic. So he's in the special needs class, and he didn't have uh, a phone with him. He doesn't at the time. He didn't have his own cell phone. He does now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so my my main concern was: Are Cameron and Holden together? I don't know why they would have been, because uh, you know they 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 have vastly different days. Um, but as a matter of fact, that was the day of the week that Cameron goes and picks Holden up in front of his class at the end of the day. Mm. And the timing couldn't have been, I hate to say better, I mean, better for my kids, which is terrible. But, um, but it just so happens that due to the, the uh, literally seconds, seconds could have been the difference. Uh, they got pulled into a room together, wow. and had they not been pulled into that room, they would have been on their way across campus to where Hol- Cameron takes Holden, uh, and that would have been through a very, very, very bad situation uh, at the time that it was at its worst. Wow. Uh, so let's talk about your reaction to that day. 
you decided that you needed to join many other members of the Stoneman Douglas community and advocating for stricter gun laws. Talk about what you guys did and how you founded uh, Families versus Assault Rifles. Well, this has been something that's been uh, a, a concern of mine for many years. Uh, I have been aware of the NRA's death grip over our government for, for decades. And it's something that, that I've always talked about that's always been a concern of mine. Um, so when this happened, uh, I, I, I felt like my responsibility was now more than just posting memes and tweeting uh, about the NRA and about uh, you know, to make people aware of, of their, their death scam. Um, now I have to actually do something, and I had a lot of support from other members of our community uh, in going forward and doing that. So we started a, a, um, a political action committee called Families Versus Assault Rifles, uh, where we can be found at Donate17.org. Donate17.org is where you can learn more about our organization. We're all volunteer. None of us is getting paid. We feel, the, the way we're approaching this advocacy is that we owe reparations to uh, the generation before us. We owe, uh, I mean after us, I guess. We owe reparations to our children. We have allowed the, the system to get to where it is now. And that's not right. So um, many of us have just basically abandoned our jobs and our lives to work on this advocacy pretty much full time. And, uh, and we are making progress. And when I say we, I'm talking not only our organization, but the many other great organizations out there who are doing this work. Sandy Hook, uh, Ban Assault Weapons Now. Um, I mean, I could go on forever. Newtown, uh, Brady, Giffords. These are, these are great organizations doing great work. March for Our Lives, obviously. So um, that, that's, that's how it came about, and that's what we're up to. Mm-hmm. So, so you just named off several organizations that have been around for a long time. I mean, Brady, of course, dates back to the late 1980s. I wonder about the frustration of that, that, that these incidents happen, incidents that remind us of the prevalence and ease of gun violence in our society, the, the, the inability of government or the unwillingness of government to deal with that. How does that sort of visit on you when you're thinking about families versus assault rifles? I mean, it, it seems like tilting at a windmill. Well, you know, and I appreciate that. I think the difference now is that the students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, who came together as March for Our Lives, and then uh, not only brought 800 plus thousand people to D.C. to march uh, and to, to highlight this issue, but also have spawned hundreds and hundreds of sibling groups and sibling marches and activity around the world, literally. That's the difference here. You know, in the past, people have looked at it from a much more mature and uh, policy-oriented perspective. How can we get these Republicans who are taking NRA money and who are afraid of the small handful of NRA voters that the NRA has managed to make look like an army? How, uh, the, the past uh, perspective was, how do we get these people on our side? How can we work with these people? I think the students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High and the rest of the March for Our Lives team around the world has taken this and said, I mean, this is 
we're not on satellite radio. I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but screw those people hmm. is, is the attitude that, that the, the students started with. And, we're, you know, we don't care that they think they have five million people who will vote one way or another. That means it, even if that were true, that would mean that there's 350 Amer- million Americans who are not members of the NRA. Uh, and that's where the power is. My guest is Jeff Kasky. He's the parent of two Parkland shooting survivors. He's a gun control activist, and he's going to be in town for an event on Monday, April 15th, called Gun Violence Prevention. It is organized by the National Council of Jewish Women, Michigan. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, what needs to happen to make America safer? What should our public officials be doing to make sure something like Parkland doesn't happen Again, each time we see a shooting like this, there is a lot of rhetoric about change. There is sometimes very small change, but within a few months, sometimes within a few weeks, we're right back where we started watching our televisions as violence unfolds in a place that it doesn't really ever belong. We really want to hear from gun owners as well. Do you welcome stricter gun laws or are you worried about the idea that the government is dictating what kind of firearms you can own? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's start with Nick in Detroit. Nick, what's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me there? Yep. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, well, you know, my question is, you know, when you look at like March for Our Lives and the focus being on assault weapons and assault rifles, um, you know, I'd like to hear the opinion on, you know, cities like Chicago, that is an epicenter of gun violence, where, you know, over 95% of those, uh, you know, murders are committed with pistols, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, Columbine, um, where, you know, that that, that terrible situation was, um, you know, was, was, was perpetrated with shotguns and pistols as well. So, you know, no assault rifles involved in either of those situations you know, what's, what's the approach to, you know, to those weapons? And, and sort of as a side note, you know, the NRA total contributions in 2018 were about $500,000. I don't think they even hit, you know, top 50 um, in, in uh, congressional contributors for, yeah. for money donated to, yeah. to candidates. Their influence is not about money, but about uh, kind of intimidation, really, of, of, Correct. Uh, of, of public officials. But that's a great question, Jeff. Uh, what about... What about assault rifles has your attention, and is that ignoring uh, other kinds of guns that commit far more violence on, on in, in terms of numbers, of course? Uh, you know, that's a great question, and I thank you for it, Nick. There, 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 the, the problem is multifaceted, there's no doubt. Uh, there, there are gun-related issues in this country. However, we also have a Second Amendment, so it's very dicey. Uh, I, I want to come out of the closet right now as a gun owner. I am a gun owner. I do support the Second Amendment. I'm also no party affiliation. So the, the narrative that, that my group and I are a bunch of liberal hippies, you know, running around throwing daisies at people, uh, couldn't be further from the truth. But to answer uh, Nick's concern, there are, there are, there are organizations that are, that are trying to deal with the issue of inner-city gun violence. Um, it's it's a very tricky issue. The reason we picked assault rifles as as the problem that we're going to pick on is that assault rifles have no business in civilian hands. There is no practical application for an assault rifle in the hands of a civilian. Um, 
once again, no problem with Pete with adult responsible ownership of firearms, of, of handguns, of shotguns, of hunting rifles. People have got their hobbies. Uh, I'm not a hunter, but somebody's got to do it. I get that. Um, but but the but uh, the AR-15 style weapons and the AK-47 style weapons that can just send a lot of lead downrange in a big hurry uh, have no no application in civilian life. So that's why we've chosen that. On the issue of Chicago, I'm glad you brought that up. It's an interesting point. People often bring up Chicago and Illinois as a state that has very strict gun laws, yet has a huge gun violence problem, and they use that as an example. Of, of how gun laws don't work. But what they, what they don't realize is they're using that as an example of, of uh, or what they're showing is that national gun laws would make a difference because the vast majority of the weapons that are used for murder in Illinois and particularly Chicago come right over the border from Indiana where you can get a, a, a gun over the counter at 7-Eleven practically mm. easier than you can get uh, you know, some cold medicine. So uh, I thank you for that question, Nick. Yeah, yeah. Again, Nick, thanks very much for the call uh, and the comments. Let's go to Jerry in Detroit. Jerry, what's on your mind? Uh, good morning. Uh-huh. I'm a Marine Corps veteran from uh, Vietnam. I was in the infantry in the 1st Marine Division in 67, 68. Mm-hmm. Thank you I for was, your service. Uh, thank you. you. I was leaving Vietnam in January of 68 during the Tet Offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to carry an M16 assault. Well, I started with M14s. I was there when M16s were introduced to the infantry in Vietnam in the middle of 67. I couldn't go anywhere without my weapon by my side, including to the mess tent or to the bathroom in the outhouses without that weapon by my side for 13 months. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even think of touching it in civilian life. It has no place in society. I don't care who the NRA thinks they are or anybody else, even even veterans who disagree with me. There's no reason for anything even close to that caliber of destruction being connected with a civilian. Yeah, Jerry, I, I, I really want to ask you to, to expand a little bit on that. What, what did you see that weapon, that that weapon was capable of that, that, that brings you to that? conclusion it's been a long time 50 years but if not my memory not not that an m14 wasn't an assault weapon in and of itself the predecessor of the m16 mm-hmm. the ar-15 as the, the civilians euphemistically right. through it i was i was then capable of twice the capacity in the magazine that i had with an m14 M- more or less that's i know it was significantly greater and then there were a limited number of m14s that you convert to that you could convert convert to automatic and uh, ar-15s we could we, we could even even the line infantrymen could do it it wasn't it wasn't specialized like mm. the machine gunners in our squads mm. uh, jerry i really appreciate the call and the and the perspective uh jeff kasky i've got about uh, 30 seconds left but oh but, hang on then I, there's a couple of things yeah, i gotta get to go ahead <laughs> I want to thank the National Council of Jewish Women of mm-hmm. Michigan. Mm-hmm. I've spoken with a few uh, different National Council of Women uh, gr- Jewish Women groups. They're great, great groups. And that's who's I, bringing I, you I, here I, next week. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I will come to Detroit. I will 
speak with my with the people. I will answer questions. I will absquatulate back to Florida. Um, <laughs> I also want to mention Headcount. Headcount.org is a great organization. They are the they were on the road with the March for Our Lives, signing up young voters. If you saw something happen in this last election and you think it had something to do with youth voters, Headcount was there for every minute of it. Okay. But I also would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, the, the latest guy to drop his hat in the ring for candidate for president, mm-hmm. uh, obviously on the Democratic side, Eric Swalwell, mm-hmm. has made gun violence and gun-related issues the number one issue in his campaign. Okay. Number one. Okay, Jeff, we're, we're, we're going to run out of time here, but I really appreciate you being here with us. Go check Jeff out 7 p.m. at the Farmington Community Library next Monday, April 15th. It's free, but registration is requested. Uh, This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll be back tomorrow and hope you will too. We'll talk more then.